Hello, everybody. Welcome to Football in General. It's Rob Case. Trevor. And Trevor Koppel. You survived the biggest season ever. Make sure you put it on your resume. Yeah. That's right. Everybody give yourself a, a round button. of applause. Or so you're just going to play it. So I wish I had a little <laughs> soundboard. Um, although, A, this podcast doesn't have that much of overhead, and B, we have no sponsors. So <laughs> we're going to make them up. This <laughs> podcast is brought to you by um, Grits. All right. So moving on, <laughs> just Grits. Grits. <laughs> the food Grits. Um <laughs> a lot right, of money right. in grits. Have you, the, have you seen grits in the stock market these days, folks? It's skyrocketing. There go all our listeners. <laughs> Nobody's going to listen to this after this. So, anywho, did you survive Black Monday? Did you get fired, too? Uh, I uh, I retained my employment, I believe it or not. not believed. Who's going to replace you? <laughs> Nobody. Nobody you. can do yeah. what I do. You're, you're, you'll be, you would be surely missed on this podcast. I would be talking to nobody. It would, it would be a one-way conversation. People would think I'm, I'm mentally ill and I have problems, and there would be a, surely a crisis number would be called more often than not when this podcast is played. Now, speaking of people that did lose their job, uh, <clears throat> quite a few um, people lost their job Black Monday. Black Monday, for people who don't know, and the NFL scope is uh, often referred to as when head coaches and executives get fired the Monday after the regular season ends. And so some notable ones, um, primarily we'll start with uh, your team, the Minnesota Vikings, let go of Mike Zimmer and Chris Spielman. What was your uh, re- reaction to such news? So, I, you know, as a Vikings fan, I have mixed reactions to this news. I, I understand it. Um, I think most of the fan base probably saw this coming, the way our season went this year. Um, I think that uh, Rick Spielman and Mike Zimmer will, will land on their feet. I think that they, uh, you know, they, they didn't find that ultimate success that every team is always looking for, but they they left that franchise better than it was before they got there. Um, so it's it's a hard one to move on from when you remember, uh, you know, the 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 way the team was coached uh, before the Zimmer era. Um, so so it's kind of a bittersweet uh, ending for, uh, you know, for long time Viking fans. Uh, you know, there was, you know, we we bought into Zimmer early in his time with the Vikings because he really elevated us from where we were pretty fast uh and then he seemed to pull good seasons out of a hat when it came to you know losing losing his starting quarterback the week before the season two years in a row um you know putting together big win seasons with guys like Case Keenum and Sam Bradford um so we we really did think like oh we we've got things we need to figure out but at least we aren't looking for a coach we we know who our coach is well now we're back to looking for a coach and a general manager and so moving on from that the 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 feeling i'm left with is quite a bit of apprehension at the candidates available and what i'm hearing about uh where minnesota ranks in desirability for uh for new head coaches and i'm hearing all things, but mostly I'm hearing that we're not the most attractive destination for these candidates. So the way I see it, the Vikings are not the most attractive spot for the new head coaches. 
at a time when there's not a lot of home run candidates for new head coaches out there. Uh, so I'm just kind of, you know, bracing myself for how this all right. shakes out. <clears throat> I think that's a good reaction. And at the end of the day, uh, you just see how what happens, right? It's the same thing when Mike Zimmer got got hired in the first place. Like, um, not an unknown. Oh yeah, but still, um, I guess. Well, he was a defensive Cincinnati. guy from uh, from the Bengals. From where yeah. the, the Bengals? We had no reason to to really think that he was going to be the guy until after he started, uh, you know, producing some some uh, you know some winning seasons. Uh, the Vikings were in the playoffs i think half the time that he was our head coach i think we made the playoffs which is i mean that's that's pretty yeah, good you know compared to where some teams are and where right, the vikings right. were so um we got some division championships made it to an nfc championship game never never quite could make it uh to the big show right so. and and I can't, you know, it, it, it sucks because Chris Spielman was actually a, a fairly good general manager, was probably there for too long, though. And at the end of the day, if the head coach goes, the general manager typically goes, in most cases, because they work hand-in-hand hand to build that roster, and it's kind of both their faults that Minnesota is sort of in the position they're in, which is average, if not below average, and or oh, mediocre. Yeah. And <clears throat> paying a quarterback, what, almost $40 million a year to be basically the 15th best quarterback right. in the NFL doesn't really reflect well on a resume when you're going for a new job. <laughs> so, yeah, you know. I think you're absolutely right. The, and letting the, Steph, the head Stephon coach and general and, manager. You know, a whole bunch of. Yeah, their, uh, their fates are always right. tied to each other. And uh, uh, regardless of what Vikings fans might think about, about people like Spielman and Zimmer, um, I think, uh, think that we all agree that, that uh, you know, with the talent that this roster has, uh, we underperformed big time. Um, and, and it was more than just underperforming on the season as a whole. It was a lot to do with how we fell short, falling short at the end of these games, you know, being really competitive and then getting beat by teams that we're supposed to beat. Um, it, uh, it, it, I don't think it should come as a shock to anybody that uh, that that they just that that uh, the Wilf family decided. Yeah, to move no, on. and and at the end of the day, I think <clears throat> the Wilf family is aware of the ethos that uh, kind of comes up in people's minds when they think of the Minnesota Vikings, and so that's why they proclaimed, um, and I quote um, to, that, and I'm looking I'm looking for the quote, and I'm sorry I'm missing here. Sorry, here it is: to consistently contend for championships, to consistently contend for championships, considering it's a team. That you could say, out of a lot of teams, <clears throat> have been consistently either contending <laughs> and or just right there for basically the last like 30 or 40 years without winning one. And so that's that's pretty disappointing. Right. And obviously, you know, like if it's not happening, it's not going to happen next season with the same same cast. They got to go out and get a new coach, new general manager. They got to start putting some new things together. So and stop making patch jobs and stop drafting cornerbacks in the first round. <laughs> Like six in a row, six years in a row. So that didn't really help anybody, you know. I know Mike Zimmer likes to stockpile right, his corners, right. and it's a passing league. But you know, how many can you have? You know? Well, and and people people didn't complain when that right was paying off. You know, when when he was drafting corners every year in the first round, 
and putting out a top 10 defense, you know, people mm-hmm. didn't really complain. But when you do that and your defense, you know, the, the inability to stop your opponents from scoring in the final two minutes of the half or the game uh, is, is making all the difference, then, you know, the entire philosophy behind, you know, how you build your team every year right. is not working. Uh, so I, I think uh, that that definitely is a huge factor in in why uh, why we're looking for. Well, let's get the three other guys that got fired on Monday, because <laughs> we need to talk about more unemployed people. Right. Uh, not that there's not a problem in this country with that right now, so why not talk about more about it? Um, Bears head coach Matt Nagy, <laughs> Bears general manager Ryan Pace both let go. Uh, pretty obvious selections, I think. If anybody watched. <laughs> The development of this season, at least in Justin Fields' uh, sort of context, you would you would kind of easily sort of say, well, these these guys weren't going to have a job for very long, considering um, a what they had to trade up to get him, b what he looked like, and c the play calling and everything else that Mac Nagy was doing for like basically last three years, being very conservative and or just not creative at all. And when he wasn't there, what the offensive coordinators sort of t- took over and were able to do. So um, Matt Nagy, uh, probably better off as an offensive coordinator. Is that fair to say than a head coach? Uh, I think it is fair to say um, this one uh, is going to sound strange coming from a Vikings fan, but I'm a little bit disappointed on how this year shook out for for the entire Chicago organization, Um, just because I saw a lot of potential in that roster and and what they could build towards. Um, But that's also why I think that Chicago is one of the more, uh, you know, more favorable uh, head coaching positions open Um, because I think that they do have a really good roster and I think that whoever comes in now gets a chance to decide if uh, you know evaluate for themselves if Justin Fields is worth uh, committing to or if he needs to be replaced soon and however that shakes out it's not on them Um, whereas with the Vikings, you still have Cousins on a on a. He's still got one year left on his contract. It's not a cheap one. Um, so I, I just I think that the uh, that the Bears situation, in, in my opinion, is, is uh, a very attractive one to these uh, head coaching candidates. Right, right. I I, I agree. Um, very enticing considering you got a rookie quarterback. Although no for, no first round pick in this next year's draft. You got to deal with Khalil Max, big, big old contract, thirty million dollars. What do you do there? <laughs> so I think it's a really difficult position for any new GM or head coach to be in because you got to basically got a guy at the most important position in the NFL, and you didn't draft him, and you didn't coach him, and now he's yours. And whether or not you want him or not, you're going to have to try it out for a season, or maybe you don't. They, Josh Rosen got traded yeah. after his first year, and although that was pretty obvious that he was pretty bad, uh, Justin Fields isn't bad. Uh, you know. So no, I, I don't like think much. Justin Fields is bad, which is why I think I think whoever comes in is going to have options in terms of if they don't think he's their guy, um, are there teams out there that would make it worth their while in a trade right. for someone like Justin Fields, especially in a year where there's not a lot. I mean, we, we just had the the college national championship. I don't think either one of those quarterbacks is poised to make an impact in the NFL next year. Well, right. And- Neither um, of them will get drafted anyway. Just, like freshmen or sophomores, right? You're right. 
Oh yeah, yeah, I get you. But that that's yeah. my whole point is the the best quarterbacks in the country right now at the college level are just right. not And regardless ready for the if NFL. they were senior, junior, senior, like Kenny Pickett in Pittsburgh, they're going to take time. And that's just the way the NFL is now. Everybody's playing 7 on 7 from basically they're like 5 or 6 or 7 years old up until high, college. That's basically what they're playing is 7 on 7, you know. Just on out there and slinging the ball over place, spread offenses. Right. Then in the NFL, a guy like Mac Jones and Grant, he's had a good season. Through 21 touchdowns and like 18 interceptions, through 50 touchdowns the year before. A guy like Tua looks completely lost out there. It was amazing in college. And Joe Burrow even took a year to figure it out. And he's been really good. Um, and oh, yeah. Trevor Lawrence, you know, God have mercy on his soul and his body. And any, and Jesus, yeah, poor, and anything he could possibly <laughs> salvage from his career at this point is was subjected to basically being thrown, if you've seen The Lion, the Lion King, thrown into the hyena <laughs> stampede. So, I know, pardon my, pardon my pun, but n- nonetheless, um, okay, uh, two more guys we want to talk about. Then we'll get to the NFL playoffs, folks. I swear we got really good predictions coming down the line here. Brian Flores, <laughs> probably the, the most surprising fire of them all, although a lot of reports have surfaced since then that he didn't get along with ownership. Stephen Ross was a big fan of him, and he undermined a lot of things they were trying to do from a GM perspective. The GM's still there. Brian Flores is not. Well, and so... Coming out, beating the Patriots and twice, nine and eight this season, ten and six year before, five eleven. They had a good roster. They're improving. It's it's very surprising. It, it was definitely a philosophical thing here. No, the so this is definitely the one. If there's only one that uh, people did not see coming, um, it it got me by surprise. I, I've got a couple of friends that are diehard, diehard Dolphins fans. They they both agree that this that they're they're upset. And I understand why. I mean, it doesn't make sense. And the best explanation they have is not a satisfactory one. Oh, you guys didn't get along. You couldn't work it out based on he is performing well. (laughs) Um, uh, It's it's, it's days later now we're still trying to understand it. I, in my opinion, Brian Flores is probably the guy that these these teams looking for a head coach are are. I mean, they they he has to be on everybody's short list. Um, I'm not saying it's it's his to to pick where he could end up, but but man, he he seems like the best coach that lost his job by far. Right, right, definitely. I can't help but feel bad for the guy. And at the end of the day, um, you know. <clears throat> because of philosophical differences, as you mentioned, gives the best he gives that team the best chance to win. Now, whether or not that's going to be the case where, wherever else he goes, who knows? We'll find out. Maybe he doesn't even coach it. Uh, he doesn't. He doesn't become a head coach of an NFL team. Um, granted, he'd be a great defensive coordinator if you watch what he did against the Rams in Super Bowl, whatever that was, fifty-two or three. I'm not quite sure what number we're up to at this point, but nonetheless, I only do a football podcast. I should probably know these things, but. Um, <laughs> I'm just saying, I, I, you know, I'm glad he's out of the AFC East being a Patriots fan, former, you know, Patriots defensive coordinator. I loved the guy when he was in new England. Um, it just was such a disconnect between him and the ownership and the GM that they just couldn't, they weren't going to be able, they were not going to be able to coexist anymore. And, uh, it's a shame that, uh, that team will most likely be in purgatory and, um, they're going to have to restart probably a quarterback too, and do a much other things that will take time. Um, such is the case with the Miami Dolphins for the past 30 years. <laughs> so, yeah. Right. Well, that's what I mean. The, the Miami Dolphins, 
They had, you know, three seasons where they seemed to get better, get better, get better. They're cashing in on all these draft picks that they got for trading away anybody worth anything uh, years ago. And uh, it felt like they really did build a, a great defense, uh, a competitive offense. Um, and now, they I mean, it's not a complete reset, but right. it certainly feels like one. Um yeah, not, not, gonna, not, not gonna work here news. anymore. None of these guys. So, yeah, not, not gonna work <laughs> um, David Cully, I'll just mention that he got fired. No surprise there. I think in Houston they were looking for some scapegoat, and that garbage organization just wants to throw anybody under the bus other than themselves. We'll move on from that one real quick and talk about apparently the best yeah. job available, which is in Denver. Vic Fangio getting fired. Um, I, I honestly can't agree more. Outside the quarterback position, pretty much everything else is good there. Or at least has potential. I would say I I might not have agreed at the beginning of the season, but man, some of their rookies have really worked out this year um, at key positions, like in the secondary and and at running back. So I, I I'm inclined to agree with you there. I think that uh, it's it's a very attractive spot for head coaches, um, and and you nailed it. They're one big question and i think it's the biggest question that the broncos have to ask these candidates is what how can we, we get aaron Rodgers quarterback because that is that is, <laughs> yeah. that is the yeah. and uh i'm not sure there is a good answer to that one but you know that is the thing that has to be figured out for whoever right. comes in next. and missing the playoff six years um, in a row certainly is not helping with this yeah. situation well, and that's the thing. Um, you know, I'm here in Denver, so I hear it talked about a lot. And, uh, you know, looking at some of the other middle-of-the-road quarterbacks in the league and thinking that had they played for Denver this year, Denver would right. be in the wild-card round. Um, because they they came really... I mean, they were still in the wild-card hunt in the second-to-last mm-hmm. week, I, I believe, yep. before they were eliminated. Um and uh, and they, you know, they've had some tough losses where, you know, it's like how much can they really ask of their defense? Their offense doesn't score points in a league where you have to score points to win games. Nobody's shutting anybody out anymore. True. Um, it, it happens here or there, but you can't just do it the way you know teams in the in the '90s and early 2000s could make it all the way to a championship right. with field goals. Um, it, that's just not the landscape anymore. You have to be able to score touchdowns every week. Uh, and, and that's not the Broncos offense right now, but the potential is there. They've got good young wide receivers. They've got, uh, uh, a, a, a potential stud, uh, at running back. I can't think of his name, but the, the guy, J- Javante Williams, Melvin yeah. Gordon all year. Yeah. yeah. Javante Williams. Thank you. Um, he's playing like like he's going to be the guy next year. So, so yeah, I think uh, if you've got a plan for quarterback, that's all they're really looking there for. There you go. In and um, why can't why can it not be Aaron Rodgers? Um, I certainly don't think they'll draft somebody. That's just my like inclination. Because George Payton, maybe he will. Man, maybe I, they will. George, George Payton's a hell of a GM. I yeah. actually kind of like what he's doing up there. I think he's got a lot of integrity. And a plan, which is probably something you couldn't say about John Elway. Maybe not the integrity part, but the plan part. <laughs> so, well, and I, I totally, uh, I, I completely agree because you know, uh, again, I'm, I live here in Denver, so I, I hear all these 
uh, you know, conf- you know, news conferences that 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 maybe don't get national coverage. But uh, uh, I really like the way Peyton, uh, you know, he he didn't scapegoat Vic Fangio once all season, you know, um, be- and, and and he didn't need to because ultimately if if Fangio didn't deliver this year and he didn't now is the time to make that change but you never once uh he was he was he was supportive of the the you know head coach that he had and uh and i don't think that's always easy to do so so him being new coming in with fangio and the situation that it is uh just just the way he supported him all season until it was time to let him go uh, I think it says a lot about his integrity as a, Definitely. As a general and manager. So best job available. I think that we both agreed upon that. And uh, outside of just needing the quarterback, just the most important position in sports, not a big deal. Um, they'll find it somebody anywhere, right? <laughs> I, well, but that's the thing. A, a lot of these teams that we're talking about have that same problem. Now, I mean, for instance, just going right back to Minnesota, um, their quarterback situation is much, much better than, than the Broncos, but it's still not good enough. And if it's not good enough, it's not good enough. So, Exactly. <laughs> if it ain't... So, so that, that's what I'm saying. is like Just because Kirk Cousins is much better than uh, Teddy Bridgewater is or Drew Locke is doesn't mean that they're not yeah, trying that, to yeah, fix right. the same it's problem. Sort of like comparing like uh, half an orange... To a quarter of an orange, it's like well, we still have a problem here, but you right. You, it's like until until you get the whole yeah, orange, exactly. you don't have a whole orange. I don't know if that's the right metaphor, yeah. but that's, a terrible that's what it analogy. is. I'm sorry, <laughs> folks. It's been a long week. I'm trying to do the best I can. So, uh, but that's that's the God honest truth. Let's let's move on to the NFL playoffs. We have talked about the head coaches long enough. These rich millionaires well, who still have money, you know, they got just, fired. Uh, <laughs> so, just throw it out there that. Uh, uh, What's his name? JJ? Oh, Joe Judge. Yes, he did. Nobody was was expecting that to happen. He's a bum. Terrible, 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 um, uh, terrible public speaker. (laughs) He just always, oh my God, just a complete mess on the mic. And at the end of the day, just not a good coach. And coming out of the Bill Belichick uh, coaching tree is anything but a blessing. So as we found out, they tried to apply the same sort of system without having the the coaching and or sort of tactic experience and or just the know-how of football from um, an analytical standpoint and just common sense standpoint. And that's what you get. You get like two, four, and 12 seasons in a row. So there you go. And he deserves to get fired. He sucked. <laughs> so, and that, oh, yeah. and that job, yeah, it was that job, terrible job. <laughs> a complete dumpster fire if you go there because there's just so many bad parts of that, about that team. And they hardly have any money to spend on it. No, there, there really, so, there really is. I mean, you, you really have to sugarcoat their situation to right. even find a bright spot. I mean, uh, yeah, there's just, anything that they had going for them, they they don't anymore. Uh, Saquon Barkley uh, is kind of moving past his prime and, and doesn't deliver right. the way he used to, and he's arguably the biggest asset Absolutely. they have. And two first round so, picks, so there's um, something there. You know, between Chicago and themselves, so right, but they're they're looking at a, a rebuild. Okay, so, so let's jump into the NFL playoffs, where no rebuilds are apparent quite yet. So 
and there's no <laughs> not open position head coaching quite yet. Uh, maybe we'll see. Uh, I think that there is well, one in our first matchup. Are the Raider are the Raiders not I think, looking for? I, head I think coach Rick too? was his name, Rich Bocassi, Bocassi, or something like that. It's it's some uh, Italian last name. Sounds like he belonged in the offensive line for the Raiders in the seventies. Nonetheless, I, I think um, no, I think there's an opening there I, to some degree. I, he'll be considered. I honestly think. He, I would say I think I think he's making as good a case as an interim coach can, yeah. especially especially if he can pull off any kind of victory right. in and the so, wild card round. Um, but that brings ten and us seven to Raiders at the <laughs> ten and seven Cincinnati Bengals. Those those records won't change one bit. We're in the playoffs. You know, this is the last game. This is it. You know, it's Tyson Holyfield right here. Don't bite the ear. Five and a half point favorite Cincinnati over under forty nine. Um, Cincinnati comes in. With a lot of um, with a lot of rest for their players, they still got a home playoff playoff game. We mentioned last week that that potentially couldn't be the case. And Vegas, uh, big win, a lot of momentum. Um, probably uh, with cardiac kids in a lot of ways, they had the most most games decided by one point, most wins decided by one point, walk off wins in the NFL. Um, yeah, it's an appropriate line. It really is. No, I I completely agree. I think this is a really interesting game because uh you know we neither of us would be surprised if both these teams were not in the playoffs. Um but here we have one of them is a a division winner. Um so uh so yeah, th- this is an exciting game with exciting players in it. Um uh I I've heard you know that th- this game could be decided on whether or not the Bengals have a have a turnover in the passing game, and that that could be the deciding factor um, because they take so many shots down the field. Um, but that's why it's going to be an exciting game to watch too. I think uh, I think seeing uh, Joe Burrow in his first playoff appearance is going to be exciting. And stuff. Zach Taylor first playoff appearance as head coach. Yeah, um, last right. time he played thirty two thirteen win. Uh, for Cincinnati, 19 points scored in the fourth quarter. Cincinnati came right back and, and took this game over. One touchdown for Joe Burrow, 30 carries for 123 yards, two touchdowns for Joe Mixon. So I think it's fair to say, yeah. Um, and my here's my analysis here. You would think Cincinnati could beat Vegas to the air, considering how bad Vegas's defense is passing wise and how stout they are up front. I actually think it's going to come from Joe Mixon. I think he's going to be a big part of this game. Yeah, and so I completely with the agree. twenty-eight degree weather, uh, cold, yeah, AFC North, right in Cincinnati, big game for Joe Mixon, and I think Cincinnati wins. No, I I agree. I think uh, you know a big part of Mixon's success is that uh, they will take their shots downfield, um, and so I so I do expect to see some of that. But this this game is going to be one on the shoulders of Joe Mixon in uh, the way I predict it. Um, He's gonna get twenty-five plus touches. He's gonna go for a, a buck thirty, maybe more, and uh, it's gonna allow the Bengals to to put themselves in the driver's seat and stay there. Um, but uh, this is the playoffs, so we could see some some exciting magic from the other side. But at the end of the day, I do expect uh, the Bengals to win this. I think they'll win by a touchdown. Um, so I'm going to take them to yeah. beat the spread. Yeah, I think yeah. I think you're right on the money with that one. The over-under, 49. Uh, I'm not quite sure how that will fit in here. I'll say under because of the weather and everything else being considered in the running games that will kind of come into play here. But, yeah, I'll, I'll, yeah. 
Right. I think I think the weather's the biggest factor there. And then also, you know, once I could see this game becoming a little one dimensional for the Raiders if they get behind and that just favors something to consider though, so. like we said I said cardiac Raiders, four games in a row they've won walk off fashion by at least uh two or two to five point basically spreads. So uh I think it'll be close. Um given it's the playoffs, you know, everybody's gonna play up to a certain standard. Um this is a game where I think like Derek Carr makes some kind of critical mistake at some point during the game and Cincinnati kinda takes over. They capitalize. Maybe Jamar Chase catches a nice little slant touchdown in the end zone. I don't know. Listen, not calling it for how it's going to go, but I'm just saying if it happens, your boy called it first. So, <laughs> um, yeah, that's what I'll say here. Under, you're picking Cincinnati two with a over five and a half. I'll take I'll take Cincinnati by a field goal. I think it'll be so, still sort of tight. Okay, so you're taking yes, the Raiders sir. to cover. Yeah, I and, gotcha. and yeah, I'm I'm going to take the Bengals to cover, but I'm still taking the under on that 49. I, I just uh, I don't think that uh, I, I think that this game goes the Bengals' way, and then we'll see a lot of exciting football from the Raiders. I just don't think it's going right. to translate to many points. Likewise, here is a game I think we all should be interested in. At least I am, because I'm not partial or anything, or from New England. But the New England Patriots, ten and seven. I'll forget. I'll forego the records. New England Patriots at the Buffalo Bills, six fifteen. You got your Saturday night game here. Four point favorite to Buffalo. Over under forty four. Four degree weather. And Trevor, before you say anything, let me throw ahead and go ahead and throw some stats at you for Josh Allen and cold weather. If anything, to convince you that New England has a chance in this football game. And five games below forty degrees. <laughs> Josh Allen's average two hundred five point six passing yards. Completed just fifty four point four percent of his passes. Compiled a passer rating of seventy eight point three. Um, four of those five games have been at home and at home 69.2 passer rating 51% of his passes this included games of just 145 120 yards passing two weeks ago they played Atlanta um, three interceptions thrown by by Buffalo uh, excuse me Josh Allen and and, and snowy weather cold weather game uh, that's what you would classify a cold weather game and um, the, only, the only thing is with the caveat here Buffalo had four turnovers in that game Atlanta had none, and Buffalo still beat them by 20 points. So Buffalo's a good team. I don't think there's any question about that. I just wonder how Josh Allen's going to play in this sort of these uh, these conditions, considering and they've been play- they've been practicing indoors all week. So that's something to be uh, aware of. So what do you think about this football game? Uh, I I mean I think that this is going to be good playoff football where uh, you know the, this I, I expect this game to be decided in the fourth quarter. Um, which is something we love, you know. It, it, I mean, unless it's your team winning, uh, we don't like watching these games that get decided in the first half. Um, yeah, the the Patriots. I'll just say, uh, you know, one year removed from the greatest dynasty in all of sports, the Patriots are back in the playoffs. Um, Thank there, you. I said it. Uh, say it again. It's just say it again. Ugh. Cringe. Uh, I can't say. I mean, but uh, yeah, so there's just. You don't get rich betting against the Patriots in the playoffs. Um, so I, I, I'm not predicting an upset, but I'm putting this game on upset alert for all the reasons you just mentioned. Uh, the, I mean, the weather is a great equalizer. And then, you know, in in these equalizing situations, you know, experience 
leadership, all these things can make the difference. And I'm talking about Bill Belichick. Good, good call. Um, so I think the Patriots are going to be in this game. Um, I, I, I think that, that Allen is somebody that could win this game with his legs instead of his arm. Um, you know, cause he, he's, he's not, uh, ineffective in situations where they have difficulty passing the ball. Um, I, I'm still picking the Bills to win this game, but man, it's it's gonna be a nail biter. Um, I, I think this we could see an overtime in this game. Um, I, I'm gonna take the Patriots to cover the spread because I think this comes down to a field goal or an extra point, um, and I'm taking the under on the 44. Well, I think I think you hit the nail on the head with, with Belichick. I mean, as far as him coming into the playoffs and sort of being aware of what his team needs to be at and the sort of level of execution they need to they need to be playing at, um, he'll get he'll get New England ready for this game. I think uh, you know uh, it was sort of an aberration aberration to some degree with you know Buffalo playing in New England a few weeks ago and sort of the flawless game plan and everything else they played with. Um, New England's looked bad. One and three in the last four. Mac Jones is a baby. He looked like a baby, like a little baby out there. I'm not taking because he's a rookie. Like a, <laughs> a literally baby. just bad attitude, <laughs> bad mojo, bad um, body language and everything else. And the New England defense has been terrible, especially um, one of the worst run defenses you'll see. Up front, I can't help but think that Buffalo is going to run the ball a lot. Sneaky good running attack, six on the season yards and yards per carry, um, only because of Josh Allen. And so that's a big, big thing to point out. Um, I think if Buffalo wins this, it has to be a lot of RPO. It has to be a lot of sort of uh, motion and spreading and spreading the defense out for New England and running between the guards. I think you get outside the tackles, um, New England's good on the edge, but not between the guards. And so between those A and B gaps, um, this is going to be where New England's going to be very vulnerable. And so if Buffalo wins this game, it's only because Josh Allen throws a touchdown and sort of has a really good day on, a really good day on, the, uh, on the ground. New England comes in. Listen, Josh Daniels, Bill Belichick, veteran presence, veteran defense, they've all been here before. If you're telling me that they, they can't win this game in Buffalo, I, I think I, I think you're probably living somewhere where marijuana is legal, uh, Trevor. So, so with that being said, uh, and I do too, so um, I think that you know three matchups in seven weeks is pretty outrageous. I think it'll, it'll favor the more veteran coaching staff in terms of being flexible, creative, and, and, and they both know each other at this point, McDermott and Belichick. There's going to not going to be any secrets. I just think that with New England's advantage of practicing outside, having more exposure to the elements and that veteran presence, it's like an upset, man. I'm going to New England. I'm going to go under, and I think they'll cover the four. So the plus, plus four. So you can win some money on this game. If you pick New England, it's the upset of the weekend. It's the easiest one to pick outside of Dallas and 49ers, and we'll get that in a bit. So there's my analysis on that game. <laughs> Man, it's going to be gonna be a sad day for for the Bills fans, if you're uh, right. I just, I mean, well, you look at them as... <laughs> to have all these pieces in place and then get knocked out of the playoffs oh, by I, the Patriots. I think you could say the same okay. thing about New England, having spending all this money and having all these pieces in place and drafting a quarterback 15th overall. If you don't win this game, it's a sad day. You know? Well, Either yeah, way, it's, it's going to be a sad, sad day. day. Sad pandas but, uh, all around. All around the East Coast. 
this weekend, potentially. I I think I think the Patriots I know it's difficult with the level of success they're used to, but win or lose, the Patriots should be ecstatic with how they're Absolutely. Team I, went this I think year. you should be happy about it, but you know anytime you go on a seven game winning streak and end up as number one seed nine and four at the beginning of December and you end up as a six seed in the wild card. I, you know, I think there's there's room to be upset. So uh, coming from a Patriots fan, but also sort of understanding the, the standard that Bill Belichick sets year to year, six Super Bowls, been in nine. I'm sorry. Um, you know, you should, you should be happy you're here. You get playoff experience from Mac. If you don't win this weekend, it is what it is. You'll be back again. I can almost guarantee that as long as Bill's there. Um, knock on wood. <laughs> and so, you know, but if you don't win this game, you have an opportunity to take Buffalo for a third round. You know, how, how rare is that? And you know this team. You should go in there and win. You should. And Buffalo should go in there yeah. and win, too. I, yeah. I just think that four, you know, you look at a division game, Vegas is pretty um, generous when it comes to that four. It's almost an even line for me in this case. So, but what do I know? I don't, I don't work, in, don't work well, at the casinos. I, I mean, so. You you hope that that Belichick is back as head coach next year, but you just don't know. He might be coaching Aaron Rodgers. Okay, again. moving on. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> check my blood pressure. Okay, Philadelphia nine. And, oh, sorry, Philadelphia. The Philadelphia Eagles uh, first game on Sunday at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Eight and a half point favorite Tampa. Forty six over under. Kind of seems like a slam dunk here. You got Tampa at home. Sixty nine degree weather. It's going to be beautiful. Brady in the playoffs, first round, how, you know, he's only lost once in the first round ever, last year with, with the Patriots, so... Right, well, there, there's just so many things, uh, including, know you know, giving a guy game. like yeah, Tom sorry. Brady... That, yep, that was uh, an aberration you, 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 as well. <laughs> you, give a, you give a guy like Tom Brady a reason to elevate his game, and that that's a done deal, and in this game... It's a it's a little bit of a revenge matchup to be playing the right. Eagles in the playoffs. Um, was, uh, correct me if I'm wrong. The Eagles were the last team to deny Brady in the Super Bowl, um, and so uh, I, I expect this to be pretty dominant right. win for the Buccaneers. Um, returning Levante David, Shaq Barrett, um, Jason Pierre-Paul, Leonard Fournette. Um, yeah, Mike Evans will supposedly be healthy. I, I don't see how Tampa doesn't win this game. I don't see how they don't win it handily. In fact, an eight and a half point line, I, I'd say they, they'll cover that and go above, over under. F- I I yeah. I think I agree. I think I'm going to take them to cover that, and uh, I'm going to take the over. Uh, likewise, over they went over six. thirty points every game last postseason. You know, Tampa did. So I'll take that too. So, yeah, yeah. I, I think Tampa goes gets rolling on this and ends up in Green Bay, and we'll talk about that in a few weeks. <laughs> so well, and I think. I think the uh, the less discussed magic piece of the puzzle here for the Buccaneers is having right. Leonard Fournette back. That guy, uh, he comes alive in the postseason. He certainly did last year, and and uh, and this is a team mm-hmm. that knows how to lean on that. Okay, so. moving on. Uh, this is I love this matchup. Nice historical early '90s, mid '90s, '80s matchup. So big so good time. if you're a big fan of the game. San Francisco. 49ers at the Dallas Cowboys, second game of your Sunday Sunday afternoon slate. Three point favorite to Dallas, over under fifty one. I mean, you know, if you're not, if you're a fan of football, right? Which we all are. It's the only reason we do this podcast. Oh, yeah. for, for the fans oh, yeah. and ourselves. Big. If you're not, you should try. <laughs> right, right. Daily dose. You know, once in the morning, once at night. 
Um, you know, you, you got to just get so up for this game, and it's going to be a great game at that. Uh, Dallas looking a little vulnerable at the end of the year here. San Francisco's on a hot streak. Shanahan's been dangerous in the playoffs in the past, and Jimmy Garoppolo, 35-13 and 13 as a starter in San Francisco. So what what does this point to? <laughs> Tell me what this points to. I mean, th- this is going to be a really, really exciting game to watch. Um, I think these two teams match up with each other really well. And it's going to be on Nickelodeon. Um, so the slime time. Oh, really? You better believe it. <laughs> well, you I have to know that. No idea. <laughs> so, yeah. That's great. That's good <laughs> shit. Um, no, the, uh, the, the 49ers, I think are going to make this a really, really interesting game. I think that, uh, a lot like the, uh, matchup in Buffalo, this, this game gets decided in the fourth quarter, which again, I'm, I'm really looking forward to some of these games that I expect to be, uh, close. This one, I think is going to be much higher scoring, uh, for obvious reasons. Um, you know, playing in Dallas in a dome, um, Excuse me, Arlington. But, but you know, at the end of the day, I do think that this is going to go Dallas's way. Um, I think Dallas wins by at least a field goal. Um, so may, maybe a push on that spread, but I'm going to take Dallas to cover the spread. Uh, and ultimately, I'm, I'm, I'm. I do like both these defenses, but I'm going to take the over on the 51 because I think that these guys yeah. are going to light it up. Um, it's a Sunday afternoon game, and I, I just I think it's going to be a, just a, a bit of a highlight reel. Um, so, yeah, very very yeah, much. Yeah, you know, I think I think San Francisco is very vulnerable in the secondary, and when you got to go against C.D. Lamb, Mari Cooper, who's healthy apparently. Uh, but although although there's some weird happen with the broke protocols in NBA games, so it's just a fine, I suppose. But n- nonetheless, yeah, I think I okay, think I'm still unvaccinated. Um, no news. So about who knows what happen there yeah. <laughs> by the time we get to game time? Um, right. And uh, you know, you got a guy like Dalton Schultz, and it, there's just so much firepower. I don't think San Francisco will be able to keep up with it. Um, you know, part of me wants to pick San Francisco here because they have all the running off firepower. I don't. It's hard for me to bet against Jimmy G right now. I think he's just a winner. I think the guy's got a swagger that kind of influences the rest of the team. But that doesn't mean he's a good leader. <laughs> I just think there's something there. And Kyle Shanahan in the playoffs is always kind of dangerous to me when he's got everybody rolling, especially Debo Samuel. Um, I like Dallas here. I'm going to say over under 51. Let's say 25-22. I'm going to go slightly under, and Dallas to win by five. So I'll take Dallas and a squeaka, yeah. as they say. No, I I I think uh, I think the 49ers offense right. is going to keep them in this game. But I I just I you know looking into my crystal ball here, I, I think Micah Parsons is going to get some big stops on a couple of third and shorts, and and that might be the difference in this game. Um, just you know who can who can deny the other team points a couple of times. Um, but, uh, no, I, I think, I think they're going to pull out all the stops. I think this is going to be, uh, I think we're going to see touchdowns and field goals from both oh units. Um, oh yes. Oh yes. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely think it, it stays close a, a touchdown or less in the end. 
Um, but yeah, I, I like Dallas to cover the spread, and I'm I'm going to take that over. I think one of these teams goes okay. over 30 points. Solid prediction there. It's definitely possible given the firepower, the superstar power these guys both have in the receiving core, the running backs. My by God, you know. Um, Sunday night game, six fifteen, Pittsburgh Steelers at Kansas City Chiefs. Kansas City twelve and a half point favorite over under forty six. Yeah, you know, we've heard it all season. Kansas City hasn't had a complete game yet. Is this it? Is this their complete game? They finally get in the playoffs and get a little momentum, go to the next round. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I think the Chiefs are an easy favorite here. Um, I like, man, I I'm gonna take the Steelers oh, wow. to cover the spread. Okay, fair, twelve and a half, fairly. <laughs> I think uh, I think I think that I think the Chiefs win this by ten points, but the spread is twelve and a half. Um, so I'm going to take the Steelers to cover. Um, this will be. I mean, I mean, honestly, even if you're a Steelers fan and you don't expect to win, I think you ought to be able to watch this game and enjoy it. Um, I think uh, Ben Roethlisberger was quoted this week saying something. Some, I'm going to paraphrase, but something to the effect that. That uh, they know they're a team that doesn't really uh, belong where they are, so they're just right. going to try to have fun. Um, and that, you know, I, I I know that might bother some fans, but I really do think that that kind of mentality can be very freeing. Hmm. Um, I think you're going to get some of the best play from this team that you've seen this year. Um, I, I don't think it's going to be enough to to knock the Chiefs out of the playoffs and move on. But I do think it's going to be a really fun game to watch. I think uh, uh, Smith-Schuster, they're trying to get him back in the mix. He came off of IR this week. Um, Najee Harris, uh, you know, the way he runs the ball, he can definitely keep them in this game. So uh, I'm I'm looking forward to it. But I definitely have to take uh, the Chiefs to win. I'm going to take the Steelers to cover. Um, I'm going to take the over on the 46. Yeah, I'm right there with you. You know, Chiefs to win, obviously. I just you know when if Pittsburgh falls behind, I mean they were down thirty-three to three in the last time they played the Chiefs a couple weeks ago, literally, not too far ago. I I just don't think they have the firepower, even because just just Ben, just Big Ben. You put eight guys in the box. Kansas City's been playing a lot better in terms of defense. They got guys that can play a linebacker. Nick Bolton's really good. Willie Gay, of course, you got Chris Jones, probably one of the best defensive linemen playoff wise, NFL history. He's played fantastic in, in all of uh, Kansas City's playoff runs in the last three or four years. Uh, I can't help but feel like he's going to make a big impact against this kind of leaky Steelers offensive line. Um, Chiefs are going to run the ball, and they're, they're going to keep you know um, Pat Mahomes out of trouble. 250 yards allowed by Pittsburgh last week against Baltimore. Granted, they only scored 13 points against Pittsburgh 16, a high-scoring affair. But um, I, <laughs> I like I like Kansas City to to. Kind of get that game plan going, running the ball, a lot of play action, get Darrell Williams rolling around, um, do a lot of screens, a lot of sort of like misdirections with, with Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill. And I, I just don't think Pittsburgh has enough. I just don't think they have enough. And I don't think Big Ben's going to be able to hang in there here in, December, in January. Just a long season. Great way to go out in your career. You just you end on a playoff note. You can't go any higher than that unless you win the Super Bowl. You know, ask, ask the bus about that, buddy. But he's not the bus. <laughs> In fact, he looks like the bus. But <laughs> that was uh, that was you. a fun. He's Super not the bus. <laughs> he looks like the bus. But you know, with that being said, I'll take Kansas City twelve and a half point favorite. Um, take that to over under forty six. 
I, I'm might as well. I think Kansas City's going to put a lot of points here. I think they're just going to wear down Pittsburgh right. and in the fourth quarter sort of spring a couple of touchdowns and make this kind of uh, unreachable. So, so Rob, you, you and I have talked a little bit about uh, possibly, uh, you know, putting some, some off-season episodes together on, on some of our favorite Super Bowls. And I think the bus against a young Larry Fitzgerald, like, that that might have to go on the yeah. list. That was and a really fans, good one. Listen, if you're a fan of the podcast, you're 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 bound to listen to us, regardless of if there's a volcano exploding outside your house and or um, any sort of circumstances where football isn't being played. And you know we appreciate the support. Um, we're talk just talking about doing episodes here where we uh, do a little watch alongs and things of that nature. Maybe watch them and then kind of recap them for you guys to talk about our favorite moment moments and just to, in a, in a way to keep the off season rolling. You know, and <laughs> watching football because we know I, I, we yeah. all know how long it is. Six months is a long time without football. So, yeah, hopefully we get the USFL. Oh, we can start talking yeah. about other leagues. But you know, so we're we're not there yet. The we last still got game the playoffs. of Wild Card Weekend begin the playoffs. <laughs> Eleven and six Cardinals got to stop doing that. Arizona Cardinals at the LA Rams. Over under four. Excuse me. Over under forty nine. Four point favorites at LA. Third time around for this matchup too. Um, you know, boy, just just Arizona's in a weird place since week 13. 15th in offensive EPA, that's efficiency. 23rd in defense. Haven't looked like the same team since early in the season. Um, Rams are in a weird spot, too, coming off a loss against San Francisco. I, I'm not really sure what to make of this game and how it will kind of play out. But I assume, because of the way Arizona's been playing, that they almost almost can't win this game but they're road warriors eight and one on the road i don't even know it's such a hard well, game to call that's that's the yeah. compelling part yeah so they're amazing on the road this year um we know they have all the pieces there to put together a really great performance and and triumph over a team like the rams even a team as good as I mean, what i'm trying to say is the cardinals are good enough to beat anybody uh, it's a question of whether or not they will because you just don't know which Cardinals team you're going to get week to week at this point. So, uh, you know, if if Kyler Murray comes out and, and plays up to his potential, absolutely the Cardinals could be upsetting this. Um, it's just a lot to predict at this point. So I am leaning towards the Rams here. I'm going to take the Rams to win. Um Man, even taking them to win, it's hard to call that spread. Um, Because of the way these two teams play, it could be a really close game that gets decided by seven points. Um, So I I am going to take the Rams to win. I'm going to take the Rams to beat the spread. (laughs) just talked myself into it. Um, I'm going to take the over on the 49, though. I do think we see big points. I'm going to take that over, too. And I think, if anything, um, both teams are definitely capable of scoring a lot of points. we go by that route you know listen arizona we already mentioned eight one on the road Kyler murray 18 touchdowns three interceptions on the road 2500 yards um 101.2 quarterback rating i don't know what it is about this team on the road <laughs> they're clearly a lot better right. um and wins he's 24 and 5 touchdown interception ratio and losses three touchdowns to six interceptions so it all depends on how L.A. plays this game. They got Jalen Ramsey. I mean, if anything, he'll shut down you know, Christian Kirk and anybody else that Arizona's going to throw at him. I I just don't like this matchup for Arizona. 
And I get that they did they they didn't sweep L.A. I think it, they split at one to one, right? Okay, so I believe you're correct. Yeah. Thirty-seven twenty earlier in the season, then lost to the Rams thirty to twenty-three. You know, it wasn't as close as it looks. Um, you know, I'll take L.A. to win in overtime. Over forty-nine, four-point favorite. It's under that. I think it's good. I think it's going to be close. I think both teams will play really well. JJ Watt could be back. That's going to be a huge booster for Arizona. I just don't know about the matchup for Arizona here, and I just I think that it's just going to be a little bit better for LA. But I don't know if they survive the next round. But nonetheless, I'll take them against Arizona. So. Well, and and the, I mean, you're talking a lot about the matchup here. Um, I'll just throw it out there. Cooper Cup seems to be. If there's one person in the league right now that's matchup proof, right. it's Cooper Cup, um, and uh, I mean you got to expect he's going to yeah, be a absolutely. big factor. In I this mean, one. And, and you look in the the last few games he's played against Arizona, uh, December thirteenth, thirteen catches, fifteen targets, hundred twenty three yards, one touchdown. Um, game before in October, five catches, sixty four yards, no touchdowns. So limit Cooper Cup, you're going to win. That's as, it's as simple as that. That, that's a good way it's to really start. It's really simple yeah. as that because five catches, 64 yards, his lowest uh, receptions of the season, lowest receiving output, didn't even score a touchdown. Arizona wins 37-20. It just depends on how Arizona defends Cooper Cup, if they can still get him open. I think Sean McVay's smart enough guy where he'll get Cooper Cup open all day you know, in the playoffs. Um, so I'll take, I'll take L.A., and I think that they're going to have a, a hard time containing Cup. And um, they got Cam Akers back, and it's just a tough matchup for Arizona. Not that they don't push them to overtime. I think they will. And those are our bets, folks. There they are. Do you have anything else to say about the NFL playoffs, sir, other than you're excited? Oh, just that, I mean, I you know, as somebody who had a lot of hope for his team this year and, and they're not in the playoffs, um, you know, all all that aside, this is just if you if you like football, if you like exciting football, this is just yeah. this is the best time of the year. Um, you know, you can say what you want about some of the wild card teams, the seven seeds, that sort of thing. But the truth is, is this, these are all good teams. This is going to be good games, uh, and every week there'll be fewer, but should only get better. So it's just a really exciting time of the year for NFL fans, and uh, I'm. I couldn't be likewise. More I don't know if I use the word jazz, but I'm excited. So the jazz. I'm jazz. So um, <laughs> we'll be back next week, folks. Divisional playoff rounds. Spent a lot of time talking about those games and going over them. Make sure you can guys win some money and really understand what is going on in terms of stats and analytics and all these sort of films. You can find us on Instagram at Football and General Podcast. Post some really funny memes and whatnot that we make uh, firsthand. Um, you can find Trev Geo, the Trevor at Trev Geo Dude. His name's not Trev Geo Dude; it's Trevor Koppel at Trev Geo Dude on Instagram. I'm at Bobby Line Instagram. I'm tired. And I'm very excited for <laughs> very excited for the NFL playoffs this weekend. It's going to be a hell of a hell of a weekend. Um, second biggest wild card weekend ever. So it's everything's big. Every the biggest ever. It's huge. It's huge. So first ever Monday too. night. Yeah. Playoff. So you know they're going to keep breaking in the money with that one every year. So, yeah, oh, you're ready time. to watch football big every time. single day, probably for playoffs and maybe next year or so. So, anywho, um, we're excited for football. You're going to watch it. We're out.